This is your other brother's podcast. Sexuality and masculinity together. I'm your host Tom, and here with me on this episode is my brother Ryan. Hey everyone! And joining us once again, a long lost hiatus, is our other brother Marshall. What's up, Marshall? Hello, good to be here. You're back. It's yes. been a while, Marshall. We are here, three of us, talking about a very fun concept today: the concept of generations. This is called Yob, the Yobcast colon generations. generations. So it feels like a bit like a um, like a superhero, like an epic adventure. <laughs> yeah, this is like the fourth installment in the franchise. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, we're doing the Yobcast generations. Maybe it's like a some sort of an origin story. That's what I'm picturing. I'm Wait, picturing some kind of no. Yeah. We're thinking about this because there was actually an X Men generations. Was there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't know that. I knew there was a Star Trek generations because I grew up in a Star Trek household. Uh-huh. So I know there was a Star Trek generations. But yeah, I, I do recall that there was an X Men right. generations yeah. too. We would have to like flash back to like the younger versions of ourselves uh-huh during like the cuban missile crisis oh right yeah and, <laughs> right yeah that's right okay so that's that is what i want everyone to have a picture of <laughs> us flashing back to our younger selves older selves um we're gonna be spanning the decades today in this fun little episode so i'm excited that y'all are here we're gonna talk about all kinds of things today um regarding the different generations that we are in in this community so first, let's go to Marshall, because Marshall, it's been a while since you've been on an episode, and sadly, regretfully, you were not part of our retreat that we had a few months ago. It was the first retreat that you could not attend, and right. your presence was sorely missed, mainly at the Twister competition, which <laughs> I would have loved yes. to have you participate in, but sadly, not, it wasn't to be this year. Um, but I'm glad we could reconnect here. Last time I think I saw you, Marshall, was at Revoice. We were at the Revoice conference. Yes. Which was great. What was your, um, maybe this is better served later in the conversation, but what was your quick take, your hot take on on the Revoice conference? Because that was the last time I saw you a couple months ago in St. Louis. Well, I loved meeting all the people there. There were many very sincere Christian believers that uh, were making a big sacrifice to... Uh, follow the teachings of scripture and, uh, you know, remain celibate because, uh, you know, scripture, I believe, and of course the Revoice Conference taught that, uh, you know, we need to obey those commands that basically uh, say that uh, sexual activity outside of marriage between a man and a woman is wrong. And so many people have given up that kind of sexual activity and that can be a real sacrifice. And uh, so there, with the, so many people so serious about their faith, it was just refreshing to talk through how people had um, made this sacrifice joyfully because of pursuing Jesus Christ. I enjoyed many of the people that I met and heard their stories. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome to have you there mm-hmm. along with Ryan, along with someone, mm-hmm. so many of our right. other authors as well. And it was a great, great experience meeting, meeting so many folks from all over the place. Um, and then Ryan, as for you, you rescued a stink bug this morning <laughs> i did 
That's what's and up in your life. Like, by rescue, <laughs> I mean removed it from my house. <laughs> and you made the comment that you wanted to, or you should have, maybe fed it to a spider. Yeah, yeah. As a peace offering, which uh-huh. is not a bad idea. Like, if there's a horrible, horrific, disgusting, gigantic spider dwelling just outside your home, it might mm-hmm. be a good peace offering. It might be a good right. deal yeah. to, like, feed it things. So as long as you stay there, don't come mm-hmm. inside, I will, you'll be fine. You'll be taken care of. Right. Or maybe the spider starts to eat the stink pug and it stinks and the spider <laughs> realizes how much I hate it. Right. I wonder, I guess, I don't know. Do spiders eat those? I wonder if they do. That spider will eat whatever I give it. (laughs) (laughs) And you have this fun tradition where people who stay here Mm -hmm. do, well, why don't you say, what is your tradition for guests? Well, I have a guest bedroom and in the guest bedroom, I have a wall where, um, where people that where we hang like selfie pictures like a little instax mini camera i don't know like whoever's familiar with that it's like a it's kind of like a polaroid camera it produces this instant picture that develops while you while you hold it in your hand and so the requirement for staying at my house is that um that you take a, a selfie with the camera somewhere on the property and sign and date it and hang it on the selfie wall in my guest bedroom and I've collected a few a few new pictures recently, and it's it's filling out nicely. I'm really happy with it. Yeah, I love that. It's a yeah. fun tradition. Mm-hmm. I was honored to be one Tom's, of the first. Tom's got first, yeah one of Tom's got one of the first pictures on the cell. One of the wall. first, and then yeah, it's cool. I I have a, my own tradition at my residence where I have a guest bed that I built with a friend, and people anyone who spent the night has signed it, and so y'all have signed it. <laughs> I I forget what the tally is, but I think somewhere around forty or fifty or so different people have have stayed over many from within the Yab community and it's been cool to I don't know, it's cool to have something to mm-hmm. for others to partake in, to feel like you're connected to something bigger than just a single mm-hmm. night or a single weekend, a single visit. Um so I'm a huge fan of that idea. Um yeah, it just kinda inspires me. Like if, if anyone out there has any guest traditions, if you have like a guest book, I know people do that. Um yeah, any kind of like overnight guest traditions um, that you have in your household, I would love to hear those because I'm always I love stuff like that. So either comment on our site or shoot me an email or or something. I'd love to hear. How do you guys treat your guests? As for me lately, for some reason, because I've always been something of a traveler throughout the year. I mean, throughout my life, but for some reason, like the last month of my life, I've been traveling way more than I usually do. Like I came back from a trip to Minnesota. And then got to like go see my my family. My little niece just turned one years old, so I got to go see her in Alabama. And then I drove to see a friend in Virginia. And then I went to hear someone preach a sermon in Knoxville, Tennessee. And, and now I'm here with you guys on the other side of North Carolina. And so it's been a bit of a whirlwind for me the last the last month or so of just traveling, coming home for like maybe a day or two. I think t- this week I was home for four days, which was like such a long stretch for it's me. A, it's a new record. The new record of the month for four days straight. I was I was in the jewel. But uh, it's been so good, though. Like, as tiring as it's been, the miles that I've racked up on my vehicle, as much as all of that's happened, um, I love that all of it has been people-oriented, people-centric, and whether it's people within the Yob community or my family or, or people outside the Yob community, like, it's been really great to make those connections, deepen those connections, and... I'm sure many of those people are listening right now. So it was fun to be able to connect with y'all in person. And, and it's hoping something I'm hoping to do more of in the future is, is to connect with our, our readers, our listeners, our supporters, and 
very quickly becoming my friends. And it's really awesome that it's not, um, I don't know. I just feel super honored and humbled. I'm getting all emotional. <laughs> but the fact that, yeah, something like a podcast and a vlog, like we can sit here around a microphone and it can feel very robotic and impersonal. But the fact that, that this is going somewhere and resonating with people so much so that they would encourage me to visit. I know like Ryan, you met with one of our readers the other day and that's really mm -hmm. cool. Marshall, you've met a few of our readers passing through your neck of the woods over the years. Um, so I just love the relational aspect of, of what we do. And so we wouldn't be here without y'all doing it. So I appreciate all of that. It kind of ties into, yeah, just some some stats and some updates from from our neck of the woods from, from the other side of Yab. But we actually, I don't know if y'all, I guess y'all aren't aware of this. I'm breaking this to everyone, is that we just hit our 50,000th download Whoa. of wow. Your Other Brother's podcast, which is super amazing. Hold on, let me get my air horn. <laughs> You get the air horn or like we could throw in like a clap track in the background, <laughs> some cheers, some woots, some hollers. Yeah, 50,000 downloads, which is a huge number. And I'm so um, grateful for everyone who's listened multiple times sometimes to episodes and binge them. I mean, I get emails all the time from people who are just, just now discovering our podcast over two years later and are binging from the very beginning and and just appreciate the support. So thanks to... 50,000 plus people slash downloads out there that have gotten us to where we are and wanted to read our latest collection of iTunes reviews. We have another iTunes review, which always am grateful for. This was an iTunes review from Zach and his subject line read authentic, courageous and prof dot dot dot. So cut off at prof. So I'm assuming professional. Prof <laughs> I'm assuming he must mean professional. Or prophetic. Prof Wait, no. is it an F or a PH? It's a PH. Oh. Professional. <laughs> Professional with a PH, yeah. That's, that's, that's how the kids say it. But anyway, regardless of what he was trying to say, he says, this is such a powerful podcast. I greatly appreciate how intense it gets and yet has me laughing at the same time. These guys are so relational in engaging a challenging conversation. I really feel the Lord's heart of compassion expressed through the content. As someone who is SSA and Christian, I have found this very encouraging and empowering in living a life surrendered to Jesus. Thank you, bros, for your courage and devotion to Jesus. Well, thanks, Zach. Yeah, yes. thank you, Zach, for taking the time to reach out. And if y'all haven't already, we have over 80 iTunes reviews and ratings. Um, we would really appreciate your support if you went over to iTunes and just dropped us a line, dropped us a few words, um, clicked a few stars. Ideally... Five stars is, is my favorite stars quotient, but... You all realize they're free, right? They're Just, free. Yeah. yeah, it's free to give us five stars. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't cost <laughs> you anything. That'd be more challenging if it like costs you mm. 20 bucks a star or yeah, something. Boy. But yeah, boy. But it's totally free. Yeah. God, it's free. Give us five. That's that's always great. I wanted, I've actually wanted to do this for a while. This is going to be a live experiment. So this is going to be really fun. So y'all have to react as if you don't know what's happening because I don't know what's happening. So I I've always wanted to, whenever I, um, I mean, I sort of know what's happening, but not really. I'll explain shortly. Um, so when I go to find these iTunes reviews, I have to click in, I have to go to iTunes and type in Your Other Brothers to get to the Your Other Brothers like page on the podcast app of the iTunes app on my iPhone. Um, and so when I, when I go to the search bar, I have to type in Y O U R. And so as it's doing that, it's populating suggestions for podcasts, 
which maybe you guys see where this is going. But as I'm typing, eventually I, I don't have to type the whole thing. Eventually I type a few letters and it takes me to your other brothers and I can click that and get to the get to the link for our site feed and then look at, see if there's any new iTunes reviews. Um, but I thought it'd be fun in honor of like our 50,000th download, 80 plus reviews, all the support, just to like, cause we're now out there. Like it would have been, this wouldn't have been possible when there was only one or two reviews mm -hmm. and I typed in YO because iTunes doesn't know what that is. Like there's so mm -hmm. many options. But now like we're, thanks to all of y'all's reviews, all of your downloads, iTunes recognizes us as a presence, but only to a certain letter. So okay. I want to do a live typing of your other brothers and then announce with each letter kind of like the top few suggestions. And I think okay. it could be humorous just to see what pops up. Because I've like I never stopped to actually stop and see what the other things said. Because mm -hmm. I have no idea. These could all be explicit podcasts for all I know, which that would be exciting. All right. So I'm going to type in the letter Y. Are you guys ready? Yes. yes. <laughs> they are so eager. Okay, so I'm going to type in the letter Y. And the first... <laughs> so the first thing... Oh, this is so great. I'm, I'm so encouraged by this game already. So the first suggestion is Holy Yoga Official. <laughs> Holy Yoga. That doesn't even start with Y. For some reason, that's the first one that pops up, though. I might start using that as an expletive. Like, Holy Yoga <laughs> Official. It's official. the Holy Yoga official Holy, podcast. Oh. And then we have Yo-Yo Ma. Okay. And then we have You Made It with Pete Holmes. I think that's a that's a notable podcast. <laughs> There's Yo, Is This Racist? That's a podcast. <laughs> this is so great. Um, your Mom's Something with Tom Segura. I, I don't know. It's a dot, dot, dot. So Your Mom's Something. Uh, Yale University. They have a podcast. Ooh. Did you know that? Uh and then Your Move with Andy Stanley. I feel like we're in good company if we yeah. can stay. We have Andy Stanley. He His podcast also starts with Your. That's mm -hmm. amazing. I have a feeling we're going to be seeing him for the next <laughs> five minutes. He might be popping up a lot. Okay, so that's when you just type in Y. Those are all just Now I do Y-O. Okay. I'm trying to see. Okay, so it's still Holy Yoga holding it down at the top spot. I'm trying to see if anything else popped up. Yoga Amazing. That's, that's now on the list. Mm. A lot of yoga out there. Yoga podcasts. Uh, you are not so smart. That's a podcast. Hmm. So then Y-O-U. Okay, so now we have some eliminations. So now we have the Pete Holmes podcast at the very top. Um, your Move is still up there with Andy Stanley. Your Art Sucks. That's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I want to like listen to some of these now. Stuff You Should Know. I think I've heard of that podcast. I like the idea of the Your Art Sucks podcast just talking about a piece of visual art that the audience can't see because it's a podcast, but they're just right, right. But they're just roasting I like it. I like that a lot, actually. Notice that after the first three letters, still no your other brothers. We're still still not quite mm -hmm. at the uh, at the threshold of this yet. Um, so now when I type in R, so I have the entire word your spelled. Um, so we have the Andy Stanley podcast. We have Your Art Sucks. You're Wrong and Here's Why. Wow, this There's is all podcast. So, so, so much negativity. You're Welcome, Your Money, Your Favorite Thing, Your Own Magic. Oh. Oh, Your Kick-Ass Life podcast. That sounds inspiring. Um, okay, so yeah, still know Your Other Brothers. Mm -hmm. I was okay. actually curious. Now we do Your Space O. Okay, so now, now it's getting interesting. Now it's like very different so now we have your own magic mm -hmm. your own health and fitness and at number three 
your other brother's Whoa. podcast. So it takes when you get to the O of your other, the first O and other. Yeah, that's where we finally hit that's the. That's so exciting. Uh, hit the podcast wow. list. And then others in, in that options in that part of it is your obligatory obligatory movie podcast, your online coffee break, your oxygen mask first, <laughs> your, your online safety podcast, your opinion doesn't matter. Your online destiny for success. Okay. So so there you have it. And then by the time you p- type in T, then iTunes is like, okay, we know what you want. You want yeah. your other brother's podcast. Yeah. So so that's that's how much it takes. But I'm hoping that eventually, like, I mean, that would be the ultimate goal is if you just type in the letter Y, like we mm-hmm. pop up there with <laughs> yeah. Andy Stanley and company. Yeah. But I feel like we should throw out there that one thing our podcast offers that these other podcasts cl- clearly don't is we think your art is great and we think we think you're not an idiot we think you're pretty smart and we think your opinion matters so it does there we go yeah you're not gonna get disparaging comments on your art from us Mm -hmm. we believe in in the power of art and good storytelling so so anyway however you found your other brother's podcast i'm glad you're here thanks for helping us to fifty thousand downloads and here's to at least fifty thousand more if not Fifty thousands more. Speaking of podcasts, some are aware, some maybe aren't. We've talked about it on this show at least a couple times, but we actually we actually have a second podcast now that is making the rounds. We've done a couple episodes. It's called the Yabalog. Have y'all listened to the Yabalog? Oh, I definitely have. I've contributed <laughs> to it. Uh, oh, you have. That's right, Marshall. You've called in because yes. we have a phone number now set up, which you can hear at the end of this episode. Um, but yeah, the Yabalog, it's a bonus podcast that comes out monthly and it sort of rehashes the last episode with the feedback that we've gotten, the comments, any emails and listener calls as well regarding the last episode and as well as bloopers, outtakes, which are fun as because this is much to everyone's disbelief right now. This is not a perfect process from start to finish. I hit record, it ends and I just put it out there as it is. Like there's a ton of editing that goes into it and Lots of content, lots of, um, yeah, just lots of things that don't fit the episode. And then as evidenced in our last episode, actually lots of good substantive conversation that we just can't fit into the regular episodes because we don't want the regular episodes to be two and a half hours long. And so so this bonus podcast for our patrons, our, our supporters on Patreon, it's kind of this fun bonus episode that combines all of those, all of those features. And so... Actually, stay tuned to the end of this episode, and if you're new, if you don't know what we're talking about or what this is, um, at the conclusion of this episode, we'll actually have a quick sampling um, of our most recent Yabalog episode. So if you're curious what it is, what it's all about, you can just stay tuned to the end of this episode, where it was me, Ryan, and Matthew. Matthew, who was trapped in a New Mexican hailstorm in his yeah, vehicle. somehow pretty intense. Somehow he made it out alive and had a conversation with us. Um, so yeah, stay tuned to the end of the episode for that. And moving forward, actually, this is really exciting, y'all, because um, I got the sense that some people had some trouble—not some trouble, but it takes a little effort maybe—to listen to the Yabalog on Patreon, on our Patreon feed. Uh, it's not—it's it's not as convenient as it would be listening in through a podcast app, whether it's the iTunes app or um, or any other of the numerous podcast apps that are available on your phones, mobile devices. Um, so moving forward, though, starting, I believe, with our next Yabalog coming later this month, we'll actually have a link 
accessible only to our Patreon supporters. We'll have a, a feed available to where you can download it to your, or you can subscribe to this new channel, essentially, on your mobile devices. That way it's just straight mm. to your phone. You can subscribe. You never have to hunt and peck for it. It's just right there anytime so how fancy i know right so that's Good. fancy that's exciting and if you want in on that if you want to listen to these these extra episodes all you gotta do is check out our patreon all the information is there at patreon.com slash your other bros even a dollar a month helps us out dollar a month covers some hosting fees for our site and so it really does make a difference and thank you to the 100 plus of you over 150 now actually 150 plus people around the world supporting your other brothers and helps us do more about what we like to do. And then one last exciting announcement, exciting update from our community is um, also connected with our Patreon because on Patreon we hit a new threshold very recently and that threshold essentially tied into creating more videos for our site, for this community. And starting next month, starting in November, we're going to be putting out monthly expressions of our stories and so that could look like testimony videos that could look like spoken words and poetry um, there's all kinds of extra creative outlets that we can take now um, based on where we are with our patreon funding so thanks to all of you who support us on patreon for those that have stuck with us over the months some of you now years of us having this patreon um, it's helping us do more of what we love and i'm excited for more videos and uh, breaking news like I'm, I'm telling you guys in this room for the first time mm -hmm. and I'm telling the whole community but so in November the first video that we'll put out is a testimony video about myself and about how I came to be essentially how we got here talking about my roots with the Zanga community and how pre the kind of like the oh here we go the generations like mm -hmm. the, the previous generation before your other brothers was was Zanga and this anonymous blogging community so i'll talk a little bit about that and the books that i've written how i've gotten to where i am currently today and so so i'm excited to put that together i already have ideas i'm starting to like chart it out in my head what that's going to look like um, from a content basis from a, a film and look creative basis and so excited to put that together and yeah i'm just really excited to uh see what happens moving forward with new new videos beyond the ones that we already do every other week also, I neglected to say this at the start, but it is National Coming Out Month. Mm -hmm. Hooray. Happy National Coming Out Month to everybody. Um, it's really exciting because in this community, we have a lot of cool things coming on the site. Actually, by the time this episode is released, um, we've already celebrated with a video, commemorated rather with a video and a uh, blog post conversation with all of, some of the main authors uh, on our site. And so... Um, the podcast now, another extension of that, that if you're, if you found us recently, um, whether you were inspired by seeing all the hashtags and all the stories online, if you found us either through the blogosphere or through the podcast or through our YouTube channel, if you're new to the community, I definitely want to welcome you and affirm that you are not alone. And um, yeah, that you have other people, you have other brothers who are processing through all of these things. Some further along in, in some ways of having communicated and told stories and and shared with people and, and others that are very much new and very fresh to the journey, just like many of you listening. So we welcome everyone, young and old, new and what's the opposite of new? Old? Veteran. <laughs> veteran, there we go. <laughs> new and veteran um, to this community. And then seeing as we are commemorating, celebrating the generations today, um, 
I'm really grateful for our sponsor who is timeless. I mean, that's when it, when you think about the generations and you think about existing in the fifties, existing in the sixties, mm. existing in the seventies, mm-hmm. existing in the eighties and the nineties and the aughts is what mm-hmm. they call that, I think. And then the tens soon to be the twenties. Yeah. There are things that are just absolutely timeless and, and so I just thank our our sponsor, which is actually a very niche. It's a very niche sponsor this week, uh-huh. this month, this episode. Because yeah, our our sponsor, our sponsor for this for this month, is denim apple pie candles. And <laughs> denim apple pie candles are timeless because those things transcend age, Wait. transcend everything. So are these candles that smell like? denim and apple denim? pies no, no, no. at the same time no, no. my interpretation when they reached out to us i was a little confused as well at first mm-hmm. when they reached out to us but i i am pretty sure um based on they sent a, a jpeg file attached so what i saw what i assumed then is that it was a candle dressed in denim but oh. smelling of apple pie That's oh so american yeah right yeah exactly but more than American, just timeless. Just timeless. Yeah, that's the key that they yeah. wanted us to get across. Is that if you're intergenerational, for, if you're looking for an intergenerational timeless <laughs> classic, look no further. Every than generation denim, wears denim. Every generation pie, loves apple pie candles. and candles. Just you know, young and old. Yeah. yeah, we've gotten. Mm. I've we've received gifts of candles from young and old. Mm-hmm. Ryan, I think you gave. I us, gave you. I gave, gave us you a candle. candle. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And we've gotten candles from all over. Actually, mm-hmm. in our last video, you'll see if you've already seen it, there are candles featured in that video so um so thank you to our sponsor and um it's funny because (laughs) i actually i went to there was like a um because you know i i did my due diligence i was looking for timeless sponsors like who could sponsor us on this episode and thankfully they reached out to me the denim candle apple pie people (laughs) but but i noticed that from this blog post there is a blog post from a website called thought catalog um, and they had like a list of 50 timeless things okay. and among, included among them were football and thank you notes and lace underwear and red lipstick and sex and sex scandals. So wow, all that, of those things. That took an unexpected direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 50 timeless things that could be positive or it could be a little. And it all started with football. <laughs> <laughs> indeed it did. Indeed it did. So thank you, Denim Apple Pie Candles, for sponsoring this episode of the Mm -hmm. Offcast. All right. So as mentioned, we are talking about generations today, generational differences, generational perspectives on issues of sexuality and masculinity. And so it's cool that we have a little bit of a diversity in this room Mm -hmm. as far as the generations go. I wish there was more, but we have Mm -hmm. what we have. (laughs) Ryan, why can't you be... 41 or 43 you know i've been i've been trying my best i i have a very like mid 40s that's true life and schedule i feel like a house and a job a career Mm -hmm. i feel like you're certainly older than i am as far as life status goes um Mm -hmm. yeah you have me and ryan who are both 31 Mm -hmm. and then marshall we have you as well yes i was actually born in 1959 and in this year 2018, I am 59 years old. 59 mm. years young, actually. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so what generation does that make you a part of, if we're going by the hip lingo? Like, what is that? What is it? Boomer, baby boomer, yes. You're a baby boomer. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Cool. Yeah. And then Ryan and I, well, I'll speak for myself. I guess I would be a millennial. Yeah, I'm also millennial. It, the dead giveaway is that I, I'm talking on a podcast about incredibly <laughs> specific niche things. What are you talking about? <laughs> See, I think that makes Marshall an honorary millennial. Mm, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Honorary millennial. Thank you for joining us on this podcast. No, Glad not, to be here. We're not degrading people's art, but we are talking about Christianity and sexuality mm-hmm. in the year 2018. So... Um, I thought it would be fun to have Ryan play a game because All right. <laughs> Ryan's not in our Facebook group, so Ryan has no idea the <laughs> results of this poll. But we put a poll out in the group to just figure out, get a beat of the pulse of our mm-hmm. community. And just simply asking, how old are you? What, mm-hmm. is your, what is your age? And the way I split up the poll was from 18 to 29, that's okay. our first category. And then essentially it's just every decade. So then it's 30s, 50, 40s, 50s, and then 60 plus. Mm-hmm. So those were the five categories. So I don't know. You like you have a little bit of, even though you're not on Facebook, you have some interaction with our community. You were at mm-hmm. our retreat and, yeah. and you were at the Revoice Conference. And so you've mm-hmm. met plenty of our supporters mm-hmm. and readers. And, obvi- and obviously you're on the blog and interacting with our commenters and, mm-hmm. and other listeners, I'm sure. So, so I'm curious to see how accurate... Okay. This this okay. is. But what do you think percentage wise? We have 131 members in our Facebook community. Most of them uh, voted. Not everybody, but mm-hmm. I think even the ones that didn't vote, I think it would probably follow a similar yeah um, trend. I'm sure there's like a statistical mm-hmm. thing about that. What's that standard deviation or something? I don't yeah. Know. Well, we have Bill a pretty good sample. Yeah, this is a pretty good sampling, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I wanted. I was curious what you think, and then I'll reveal the actual answers the percentages of our community are mm-hmm. based on those age brackets. So starting with 18 to 29, what do you Wait, think? So how many brackets were there? there was, There's five brackets, 18 okay, to 29, brackets. and then 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60 plus. Okay. 18 to 29. I would guess um, 30%. 30%. You're actually low. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was it 35 you're still low. Really? Yeah. Wow. So 18 to 29 was definitely our leading category with 43%. Mm-hmm. So 43% of our Yabbers community is in that 18 to 29. Okay. They are so youthful and uh-huh. excited and raring to go, but not mature yet. They don't know what's coming in this mm-hmm. life. They're just so excited to be here. Then you have the more weathered Mm-hmm. Still youthful, but mm-hmm. now wise and mature 30s, right. which is where we are. Yeah, yeah, the perfect balance. Perfect balance. what I call it. <laughs> sweet spot, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So what percentage of our community do you think is in our 30s? Um, so the first one is 43. 43%. I, I'm going to go with uh, 28% for the next one. You're still low. Still low. Yeah. 33%? It is 37. 37%. 37%. Okay. 37% of our community is in their 30s. And they are the 37% most awesome mm-hmm. of our community. <laughs> I'm so glad to be amongst them. Um, next up is the 40s. So notice, okay, so just if you're doing the math at home, 43% for our 18-29s and then 37% for our 30s. So that's already putting us at 80%, 80%. of the community. So 80% of our community under the age of 40. Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. So that gives you a little bit of perspective. So we are mm-hmm. a young community. But yeah, what about then the rest of the, the ages? What about in our 40s? What do you in think? In the 40s. And so there's 20% left we're working we with. We have a 20% piece of the pie left. Um, I don't... I'm not sure if I've met a yobber in his 
40s. I guess I don't really ask mm. everyone's age, mm-hmm. so who knows. Um, You're on the right track. I'm going to go with 5%. That was really good. That was really okay. close, yeah. 4%. 4%. 4% of our community in their 40s. And this is something that I suspected for a while. Mm-hmm. That Well, actually, I'll, I'll continue that thought after you tell me the 50s. So the 50s is our next age bracket. 10%. Yeah, you're you're on the right track there as well. Thirteen percent. So, okay. so thirteen percent in our fifties, in the fifties, in which Marshall is included, and then four percent for the forties, um, and then I guess just to round it off, sixties, sixties plus. So um, that leaves us with. I don't know. Three percent. Three percent. Three percent plus uh, sixty years old. So. Okay. Yeah. So this was interesting because I suspected something that looked like this. I actually didn't expect it to be quite tilted as young as it was maybe i was expecting a little bit more um for the 40s 50s 60s but but i definitely knew that there was a decent amount of people in marshall's range in the mid 50s late 50s -hmm. um i was aware of several several individuals and then as you were because as you were trying to come up with a percentage for the 40s ryan i was also in my head trying to be like wait a minute who's like in somewhere in the middle though like who's not Mm -hmm. in that like plentiful 20 30 something crowd but then who's also not Mm-hmm. up there in the 50s, 60s crowd, like who's somewhere in the middle 40s? And truthfully, there's not, I mean, it's 4% of our mm-hmm. of our Facebook group. It's not yeah. a very large percentage. And I don't know why that is. I'm racking my brain trying to figure out why we don't have as many 40-year-olds represented in our community. But that is that is a Mystery. little snapshot. Any 40-year-old who's not in our community, please uh, we need you. <laughs> We need you, yeah, please yes. do. Leave us a comment. Tell us a story. Um, mm-hmm. If you feel so inclined, join the Yabbers group. Speaking of comments, I do feel like the discus comments on our blog, I think that demographic breaks down differently. Yes, no question. I think those skew towards the uh, the older generations. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Which yeah. is really interesting to me. Yeah, so there's this other aspect of... There's all these different like communities. We have the large Other Brothers blankets of authors, readers, listeners, commenters, um, now viewers on, on YouTube. We have all these different arenas for people to feel connected or to connect within this community. And so we have our Yabbers group, which tilts younger. And then I absolutely agree. I think our blog tilts a little older, which that can just be... I chalk that up to millennials have short attention spans. And if they're going to mm-hmm. read the blog, they're certainly not going to take the time to comment on the blog, or right. at least as much as an older generation would. Um, I think that's just the, the way of the times. I think I, the advice I often give to the next generation is never look at the comments. So right. <laughs> there you so go. If you never look at the comments, then <laughs> there you go. You don't have them. Um, and then it's cool, I guess, I should have I should have done a little more research on this, but I know YouTube tends to be a younger audience as well, and we've had a few people commenting on our YouTube, and they, from what I can tell, tend to be mostly from a younger generation mm-hmm. as well. And I wish there was a way to actually gauge the, the podcast, because I know we have stats that we can look at the geographies, and we can see what countries and what states people are listening from, but obviously there's no way to like track their age. Mm-hmm. I wish I had more power in that regard yeah (laughs) i wish i could know who um yeah what the ages of the people listening because i have no idea actually Mm -hmm. what what that looks like how that breaks down as far as our listenership goes but um call us and tell us your age it's like the podcast version of comments box exactly the fun river yeah 
You can call and just tell me your age. Just say a number and hang up. <laughs> say one number, yeah. That's quick. Quick and easy. Yeah, that's you can easily do that. If I don't get seven, at least 70 calls that just give me numbers, just random numbers, <laughs> 21, 28, 71, 38, I would be very sorely disappointed. But that's a little snapshot. I thought that would be fun to just set up this conversation that... That the community, by and large, tends to tilt younger, but there are definitely pockets of older people, and I've gotten emails and messages over the years just trying to, of people who are older who are asking me, like, so, like, is there a place for me here? Am I over the hill? Am I, do I not belong? Or, or whatever. And to that, I would say a resounding, you certainly do belong, because there's, even at our retreat that we had in May, such a great cross-section. Um, we did some some games and some mixers, and, and it was such a great cross-section I think our youngest was 19 or 20 and then our oldest was somewhere in his 60s I think he was 63 64 maybe um and so we had this cross-section of of people so many ages so many eras and so many perspectives represented and so um so yeah so I'm excited to be a part of something that's so diverse and um today we're talking about sexuality as far as our generations our perspectives go and and the first thing I wanted to dive into is just the whole concept of sexuality, the concept of coming out and telling someone that you're attracted to the same sex. What has that been like for your generation versus ours? I figured we would start with um, our honorary millennial in the room <laughs> and get his perspective. So Marshall, as a baby boomer, as someone who grew up mm-hmm. in the 60s, 60s mm-hmm. and 70s, right? right. What 70s was, more, yeah, what was sexuality like for you? I guess just from an outside perspective, and then you can bring in your own story, but how was sexuality perceived as you were growing up through media, through school, careers? Well, it really wasn't mentioned much in media. It was considered something very controversial if you had a less than or other than straight uh, sexuality. Um, when I was in school, um, if someone either admitted they were gay or even was suspected that they might be gay, they were basically the object of extreme bullying. It was something that caused everyone to fear and refuse to talk. Um, And so because of that, and again, some of it may have been the location that where I was, I was living in uh, Florida in a culture that would be considered Southern. Um, There was just a lot of anti-gay feelings that made it so that it it was, pretty much impossible to admit that you had, um, you know, same-sex attraction. If you didn't want to be bullied, you, you just held that inside. There was that mentality. Um, also, just in the wider culture, I would say people were um, just not wanting to... Um, not wanting to break out of a traditional mold if they were Christians. So particularly with Christians, um, they didn't want to appear to be um, sinning. And so even though they might be struggling with, um, you know, gay feelings, they would not say anything about it because to them it would be like betraying their Christianity. They would just sort of be ashamed of it and hold it inside. So it was um, a very difficult time. And um, I was actually talking to Ryan about this before the podcast started. 
but you guys did not hit the record button on your lapel mics at the time. <laughs> you should have been doing that. But continue. What were you talking about with Ryan? Um, was that uh, things were even to the extreme when it came to refusing to come out. That um, sometimes if someone was um, afraid of coming out, what the only time that they could be motivated to actually say something was um, if they were attracted to another man and wanted to have a sexual encounter, they would be forced to admit that, yes, they had gay feelings. And so people would associate coming out with, you only talked about it when you were trying mm -hmm. to arrange a sexual encounter. And so there was this mentality that if I ever confessed it, the person who hears it is going to think that I'm attracted to them and... I'm trying to have a sexual encounter. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, people avoided it even more because of that um, mentality that went along with it. It was that extreme in some ways. It's really interesting because, Ryan, we're like on that crossover generation. Mm -hmm. So we have, so we're part of the millennials, and I guess the lingo now is that the one below us is Generation Z, people born yeah. essentially after 2000. And so... I mean, you can correct me if it's a different experience for me, but my perspective of sexuality growing up was that it still was kind of taboo. Like, maybe not so much. Like, you had shows like Will and Grace, or you had other shows that were starting to introduce gay characters, but it was still kind of, like, more of a joke, kind of silly, a little more extreme, the examples mm -hmm. represented in media. Um, all the politicians would say that they believed marriage was between a man and a woman, Democrat, right. Republican, whatsoever. And so there's still a very much a a little bit of a bent against homosexuality. Like, it was starting to become a little more known, a little more... Mm -hmm. You know, other figures like Ellen DeGeneres, and you had mm -hmm. other figures starting to break out in media, but for the most part, it's still kind of hush-hush, a, a minority experience growing up. And then somewhere along the way, yeah, in the, in the 2000s, obviously gay marriage got legalized in America a few years ago, um, but there definitely was a shift mm -hmm. in the latter stage of, of my experience, in my years, Whereas a Generation Z perspective, they're kind of growing up more with this whole mindset. It would have been cool actually to have a Generation Z yeah. person on this yeah. show because I would have been cool to like hear how does an eighteen-year-old view mm -hmm. sexuality? Because I'm sure even it doesn't seem that much of a difference, but mm -hmm. from a thirty-one-year-old to an eighteen-year-old's perspective, I bet there is a lot mm -hmm. of maybe some dramatic, but maybe a lot of new subtle nuance differences as far yeah. as perception on sexuality, but. Um, was it different for you? Because I grew up in outside of Philadelphia, and then I grew up in super conservative Georgia, mm -hmm. and so maybe my experience in conservative Georgia was maybe tilted by right by this perspective. But what about yeah, you? I think that's very accurate. I think our generation, when we were going growing up and going through these formative years, there was kind of a lot of rapid change happening in culture, and certainly like different parts of the country and different um, different cultural contexts were changing or, you know, are changing at different rates. And so growing up, you know, there was, um, one high school I went to where, um, someone like came out and founded the, the GSA, the Gay Straight Alliance. And, um, and I remember, I, I imagine people bullied him. Um, but I do remember like people gave him a really hard time behind his back and there was just a lot of, um, there was a lot of homophobia there, but then I went to a different high school that had a much more progressive culture within it, and there were um, there were people at that high school who were pretty free in um, in you know identifying as very you know uh, various LGBT identities, and it, and so there was like a much 
I, I feel like for me at least, the places where it was safe or accepted to talk about your sexuality, like there were places where it was and there were places where it wasn't. And um, yeah, and so it was just a, a time of a lot of change. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to read this comment, Marshall, and then get your perspective, your take on it. But we put this out to our Yarbers group, as we always do when we do these podcasts. And we got some really great comments from our from our community there on Facebook. And here's what one of our, our Yarbers had to say about where he grew up and the culture, um, the culture of his time. He said, technically, my birth date classifies me a boomer. Like many younger boomers, I tend to identify more with Generation X, and my closest friends are Gen Xers. And yet, I am stuck in a generation in which my peers have many attitudes I detest, and I can't really pretend I am not affected by those attitudes. I was just a little kid during the social unrest of the 1960s, and the sexual revolution was part of that. This new attitude about sexuality, if it feels good, do it, seemed very liberating for quote-unquote worldly people. Conservative Christians had good reason to be concerned about the direction the culture was heading, but their reaction to it was sometimes unhealthy. In my upbringing, at least what I picked up from my dad, who was also my pastor, there was a lot of fear and shame associated with sexuality and all of its aspects. I actually grew up thinking sex was dirty. Though I occasionally heard other Christians talk about the beauty and, good of, and the good of sex in marriage, and largely embraced what they said as believable and true, the idea that sex was dirty was so deeply imprinted that it stayed with me long into adulthood. In some ways, the fact that I wasn't attracted to girls helped me believe that narrative even more. But that kind of shameful view of sexuality also drove me into a deep emotional underground when I realized I was attracted to guys. So I'm curious from the first part of that comment, Marshall, if you, what's like your relationship with Generation X? Because I guess there's a little bit of a, a gap there between between baby boomers, Generation X, Generation Y, millennials, here we are now. Like, what's your, what's your tie-in to, to those generations? Well, you know, again, the typical attitude in my generation was it's shameful, you keep quiet about same-sex attraction. And there's a lot more openness to it, which I appreciate. So I, I certainly resonate with it. And, of course, obviously, I'm talking about it. So I act more like I'm from Generation X or younger. But um, I don't see a disconnect between myself and people that are younger because we're, we're human and we're living in the same world. Um, mm. But the way it was was very different from what it is now. What is like your... So I'm curious, because there are a lot of people that are older. We're, we're going to probably get to this mm -hmm. later in this episode um, when we talk about modern constructs and, mm -hmm. and concepts. And I know, Marshall, you live with a bunch of younger people. Yes. You're in this community. Like You're our oldest, mm -hmm. author, mm -hmm. oldest author, and and most of our authors are in our 20s and 30s. Mm -hmm. And so, so I'm sure you interact with a ton of young people. Yes. And you have a knack, I think, for connecting and mm -hmm. for not being like holier than thou or like the, the you know all you young whippersnappers like wagging your finger but like what is because there are some people though that are like that who are older and mm -hmm. why do you think you're not like that um it may be that i'm just compassionate again enneagram too uh <laughs> that i i just i i understand people i care about them and i think there's more compassion in people that are younger for whatever reason mm. so you think 
millennials are on the whole more compassionate yes. than your yes. generation. It may be the, mm. at least with what's outwardly expressed, visibly mm. expressed. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Well, that carries more weight coming from you than it would from me. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll just say, I could say that, but if you say that, then I'm yes. going to take your word for it. Um, very often people, well, there, there's a mentality that is fading from our society, and some of it's good, some of it's bad, but it's just being tough and not, uh, you know, not letting pain stop you from accomplishing things. Mm-hmm. Well, some of that's good, but sometimes people would take that and they would tell everyone else to, you know, basically shut up and do what you're supposed to do and don't whine. You know, that that mentality was common where I came from, rather than just helping people who are breaking down because life is difficult. Mm. Um, I think there's a time and place to be tough, but uh, certainly it was overdone in my generation. Mm. I wanted to ask you, Marshall, this is, we're kind of hanging out in your generation at the start of this podcast, but um, I was curious because someone else commented, he's also a baby boomer. Um, I had no idea this was a thing. Can you confirm this? That there, he was saying that... uh, what is boofing? <laughs> no, <what? laughs> no, that is not what I was going to ask. Um, okay, so so this guy who's the baby boomer, another baby boomer, he said, as for coming out, that was a dangerous thing to do. Depending on where you were raised, you had to be careful who and how you talked to. There were bandana codes, signals, <laughs> words you'd use to make sure the guy you were talking to was gay and not a straight guy luring you into a beatdown. Um... And so I was like, and he posted a picture. I was like really confused by this. I'd never heard of this. Were there people that wore like different color bandanas to signify what their sexuality was? It was like a secret code, but there's like no internet to translate yeah. all this information. How do people know? About the only thing I know how to communicate in bandana code is I don't know what to do with this bandana. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like well. how do you tie the thing? How do you keep it fixed onto your body? Yeah. Well, I do know that in different regions, different cities, at different times, there were patterns of dress and also patterns of speaking and that were associated with gay men. And there were often um, things like, it, they used to joke about it, that if, if you had an earring, you were a suspect, but if it was on one side, it was okay. If it was on the other side, that meant you were gay. Um, and I can't even remember which side was which, but this was in quite a few years ago. Um, there were just sort of, there was a certain gay slang that was never heard in the general population. Um, and if you would throw in a few words that would mean something with the gay slang, um, people would catch that. There were all kinds of clues and hints yeah. that were part of the process of people uh, getting... Yeah. Maybe, like, back then, people were probably just way more intuitive and attuned yes. to those things without the internet to force-feed you and to, like, give you mm-hmm. more of an outlet. I think people right. had probably had to be more yeah. creative, <laughs> for lack of a better well, word. Well, they had to intuitively yeah. figure out whether a, a guy might be gay before they talked to them. Because, as I said, yeah. people would often That's assume so if you ask, if you admit that you are gay that was a way of saying, I want a sexual encounter with you. Mm-hmm. And people would interpret it that way So, in certain contexts. So you often, you wouldn't ask that just because it would, or you wouldn't say that because hmm. people would see it that way. So, of course, there were all these hints dropped 
and then when you recognize the hints and the other person recognizes the hints, then someone might confess, and then the other person confessed, mm. and unfortunately then that often led to mm. sin. So what was your bandana color? Oh, no. <laughs> no, I literally didn't learn those details deliberately because I did not want to participate in a sexual encounter. Mm. I, I was a Christian and was wanting to resist the temptation, and if I didn't know the slang and the... Uh, what color to wear of what item, uh, then I wouldn't come across as gay to someone and they wouldn't hit on me. And so your, your bandana was clear, transparent. I didn't, I never carried a bandana around. I never wore a bandana or whatever. No. Gotcha. Mm. Such an intricate and complex, like cultural, cultural experience yeah, like, phenomenon. Yeah. Like I was thinking the other day about how, you know, I've, as I've been driving, I mentioned all the travels I've been taking and mm -hmm. how much I'm constantly using my phone mm -hmm. for GPS and getting me places with GPS. When, as little as a decade ago, that was not doable. Mm -hmm. It was not able. I was not able to travel with a GPS ten years ago, and and that's just one. That's just getting from sometimes just like mm -hmm. ten minutes away. Like I punch something in, yeah. and I don't, I don't want to go there, and so now the whole concept of not navigating the roads, but navigating my sexuality without mm -hmm. without that technology yeah. in place. That's so interesting. Our generation traded in the bandanas and, and code words for RuPaul gifts. <laughs> it's a That's little, true. It's a little sad. But <laughs> it, it's even true that today, if I said the name RuPaul, my straight friends wouldn't know who that is. <laughs> really? I feel like RuPaul is... There, I have straight friends who literally don't know who RuPaul is. RuPaul is a known figure, right? Yeah, so I, I know. RuPaul <laughs> <laughs> just won an Emmy for the show. What's it called? RuPaul's Drag, Drag Race. Race. RuPaul's Drag yeah. Race, yeah. Congratulations, RuPaul. Mm -hmm. Shout, Shout out, out to RuPaul. Shout out to, <laughs> Shout out to Ru. Yeah. We, we know you're listening. We know you're listening. Absolutely. Um, well, I wanted to read some younger perspectives, too, because we have plenty of millennials in the group. Even though they don't comment as often on our blog, they very much are active in our Facebook group. Because, you know, all the kids all the kids are on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, many of them are leaving Facebook now because their parents are on Facebook. Yeah. But that's beside the point. I was going to say, this is unusual that the Facebook group, like, slants so younger young. than... Yeah. I wonder uh, when Facebook is obsolete in 10 years, I wonder what yeah. that's going to mean for our community. Anyway, we'll see. 24-year-old um, millennial here. I guess here are the things I've observed on topics of sexuality and coming out. Being a millennial... There are many more resources available to me via the internet on topics regarding sexuality and coming out. I guess before the internet, people only had input based on their immediate community and mainstream media. I remember watching coming out videos on YouTube and being able to train myself on how to come out through those people. There were only a few videos available when I started researching for them. More videos popped up as time passed until I thought I finally had enough research experience on possibilities of reactions to other people coming out. So I would also know how to properly respond if ever I get one of those reactions, and I was able to position myself in a way that I'd be able to engage with good conversation with whatever reaction I got. I also remember reading my first SSA-related book on my iPad. And lastly, I, I had access to blogs and online communities such as this one, Near the Brothers, to the point that I flew to the other side of the world with the sole purpose of meeting these people I met online and hear more about their stories. I guess that's one additional thing, better access to international transportation. Basically, I've had access to a number of resources, even though I still think there's not enough. Being able to compare different sets of belief systems, being able to hear other people's personal stories, and most importantly, being able to feel that I am not alone. 
Yeah, I think the internet has played a huge role in the change of cultural outlook and the attitudes around homosexuality because non-straight people have been able to connect a lot better and find each other a lot more easily through the internet. And I mean, we've talked about that sometimes on your other brothers about how, you know, how amazing it is. Uh, And I said this before, as much as I kind of like hate the internet i also love the internet because without it like i wouldn't have met you guys right that is very true none of us would have met each other yeah the internet has done wonders to filter our relationships because it used to be you know your your relationships were proximity based and it was wherever you lived your school your career your family your neighborhood Um, and to some extent we've lost something. I think there's something beautiful in that, that we have like this proximity based community Mm -hmm. and relationship, but then, but then the internet has done this new thing where it's now we're able to filter out or we're trying to filter toward like, what are, what are our values? What are the things we, we most value in a relationship, in a person, in a human being? Um, what are similar belief systems? What are similar hobbies and interests certainly, but, uh, but yeah, in the last decade of, of being online, starting anonymously and now slowly but surely putting stories out there and connecting with folks, you guys included, and, and just again, at the start of this show, talking about traveling all over the country, meeting, meeting our readers, meeting these friends now in, in my life, it's uh, done wonders for the conversation and the view on sexuality, and obviously the culture's gone a completely different way from where it was in the baby boomers generation, um, but you know, it goes one way, but then it also opens up conversations that weren't able to be had in the church. And, you know, we're still, I think, a, a long ways away from getting to where I'd like to see the church get to as far as conversations about sexuality. But I think we're further along than we've ever been. And the internet has, yeah, a huge part, a huge role in that. And then we had this other perspective from the millennials, not to be outdone, um, he says, the millennial generation started on January 1st, 1984. So, I made it in by six weeks, for better or worse. Webster's defines a millennial as... <laughs> We're getting very technical. I actually had no idea when millennials started. I knew it was around mm-hmm. mid-80s, but I mean, I didn't know what mm-hmm. if someone out there defined it. Who defines these things anyway? Is there like... Anyway, according to this Yabber, which I, I trust him that this is the truth, that this is when the millennials started. 1984. Um, I like to think of myself as an elder amongst the millennial kiddos. I think my generation has accelerated the shift from the cultural acceptability of public faith and private sexuality to one of private faith and public sexuality. And we are reaping all of those so-called benefits of the sexual revolution, be it higher divorce rates, more infidelity, porn on demand 24-7, less children born to married moms and dads, the Holocaust of the unborn, more STDs, more sexual violence, gender and sexuality confusion, and the list goes on and on. It would be exponentially easier and more acceptable for a teenager to tell his Christian parents that he is gay or trans than it would be for a teenager to tell his secular progressive parents that he is a Christian. The former would be publicly embraced as a hero, the latter as a pariah. So yes, coming out is much more culturally easy now, but at what cost? The pressure, once you come out, to adhere to the new postmodern sexual ethic is enormous. Shame is never helpful, and no one is advocating a world where we cannot be authentic with our stories and struggle. But it is inordinately more difficult to battle a sin that is now widely recognized as a virtue, and it's only getting harder. 
What do y'all think about that? <laughs> hmm. I think there's a lot, a lot of legitimate stuff there. Um, yeah. I liked how he talked about public faith, private sexuality versus private faith, public sexuality. Uh-huh. I think in certain pockets. I don't know that I would necessarily agree across the board. What do I you think th- there are parts of the country where that's not necessarily true, but maybe... What do you think, Marshall? Is there, like, do you feel a sense of, like, the good old days of, of virtue and morality, like, from from your childhood, like, back... Right. Are we a rotting nation now? Yeah. Um, well, there has been much less Christian influence now than there once was. No question about it. We're... Mm-hmm. People, when I was a child, would, would refer to this as a Christian nation, and I don't hear people saying that anymore for obvious mm-hmm. reasons. Do you think it's actually gotten less Christian, though? Oh, are there fewer people with genuine faith? That's hard to say. But people are... Uh, I would say there's probably less genuine Christian faith than there once was, mm-hmm. but there are... Um, you know, that is very hard to measure. Yeah. Um, but it seems that way, yeah. I guess I'm always skeptical of the viewpoint that says, oh, like, America in such and such era of the past was good and wholesome and pure. Mm. Um, there were problems. It was yeah, certainly not. Yeah, yeah, like, I think it's... There were all kind of underlying problems that easy, were not Christian. Right. It's easy and tempting sometimes maybe to, like, ignore the problems in the past or sweep them under the rug, mm. you know, just because, just because people struggled with their sexuality privately like i don't think that's innately better or no. yeah i don't think that's innately better than like yeah i think you with it publicly depends who you talk to like i think if you talk to plenty of people our generation included i think if you talk to us about our experience our faith with regard to our sexuality today versus if we grew up 50 years ago would we have been better off in that america versus this america i don't know mm-hmm. like i'm trying to think for my own life if i grew up 50 years ago without all the resources and connections that I've made through the internet and I lived in Marshall's culture or even prior to that would I have felt as comfortable or secure in my faith and my journey Mm -hmm. my spirituality knowing that I had all these things that I couldn't talk about Mm -hmm. with anybody and so I don't know that that would have necessarily been the case and so I don't know it's interesting just the shifting tides because on the one hand you could look at where America is today versus where it was and say that it's gotten worse and depending who you talk to or where you go you could argue right. that there's still authentic christians it's not like we're yeah authentic right. faith has disappeared but maybe it just looks different now or like take for example the idea of you know increasing divorce rate and more and more marriages falling apart and i guess i'm suspicious that like marriages in the past 50 years like i just don't think the church has had a clear accurate biblical view of marriage in the past 50 years and i do mm-hmm. wonder if you know marriages falling apart is kind of a symptom of that Rather than, rather than specifically like moral decline of our culture, like was it was it kind of rotten from the beginning? Is I guess is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a lot more hidden in the past that was wrong, and people would stay together because they didn't want to be shamed by you mm-hmm. know their friends or just society in general. So mm-hmm. they would stay together even though they were. Um, they had, to put it mildly, a very bad marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, There were many people in that category before, and nowadays they would just be divorced. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's some of that, but, you know, I can't certainly speak for why Mm -hmm. other than just 
Um, there does seem to be some form of spiritual decline. I will say that. There's less mm-hmm. Christian influence, no mm-hmm. question. So mm-hmm. what you're saying, Marshall, is that we need to make America great again. Is that what oh. you're saying? Uh, <laughs> I do I not like to use those that? words. Um, there are enough people mad at me for enough good reasons. I don't want to start <laughs> getting into politics and getting real It's just really interesting, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the running joke is how, like... <laughs> Millennials are killing things. Millennials killed the banking industry. Millennials killed mortgages. Blockbuster. Blockbuster. Millennials killed blockbuster. I think millennials millennials killed marriage. Mm. Yeah. That's a hot take. Hot take. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan's hot takes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm curious. We actually talked about this. Marshall, you were on our pornography episode. And I wanted to do a quick... We want to still have to repeat that conversation. but, But it's worth noting that when you talk about sexuality, when you talk about... Um, pornography and promiscuity, um, there are very clear differences from your generation yes. and our generation. Yes. Um, so I was curious, could you do a quick recap of, I'm sure plenty of people have already listened to this episode, but that was so long ago. When did you record that? That was like last Maybe year. Maybe a year ago. Yeah. Um, but like, what was your experience both personally with pornography, but then also the cultural view at large? Like, did friends ever talk about it? Did you ever hear about it? Passed around? Um, I'm curious, yeah, from your experience in the 60s and 70s, what that looked like versus right. today. Well, when I was uh, younger, the first time I actually saw pornography was, it was very straight pornography. It was Playboy. And it wasn't... Hot uh, take. <laughs> it wasn't voluntary. It was because, um, oh, I, one of my classmates, I think it was in sixth grade, um, they were um, sneaking around with a Playboy magazine and then just sort of showing it to different people in the class, other guys. And, um, you know, they basically, I walked by as I looked over somebody's shoulder and saw what it was. Um, but, again, it was uh, usually in the form of something like that where people would hide it, but unless it was in a, you know, a sneaky adolescent thing where, look, I have pornography, it was sort of something people would brag about. But, but society in general looked down upon you had to go to a place that was would sell either pornographic magazines or later on videos. Um, you would have to go to an actual adult video store, adult bookstore. Um, some places there were convenience stores that would sell it, but you'd have to ask at the desk, and if you know, it was an embarrassing thing. Mm-hmm. So there, it put up a barrier that made it so I didn't. I never went after and bought pornography. Now, admittedly, I knew I was attracted to men, and gay pornography was even more <laughs> under so, wraps. So you didn't go up to the grocery clerk and said, I'd like a, I'd like a issue of... Is there such thing as Playgirl? <laughs> <laughs> there was, as we all know, there is such a thing. And that was around later, but uh, I will just say that it was so embarrassing and so difficult... I certainly never tried anything like that, and most people would not. It, it put up a barrier that helped people not have access to pornography. Ryan, if you lived in the 60s and 70s, could you ever see yourself going to a grocery clerk and oh asking goodness. for a pornography magazine? I would I would absolutely <laughs> crumble to dust. <laughs> I know. I'm just trying yeah. to picture in my most desperate hour, if I was so yeah, desperate yeah. to look at that, stuff uh-huh. could i ever do that you know and admittedly i've looked at pornography on the internet but i can't imagine mm-hmm. 
mustering that strength to do that. I don't know. Mm -hmm. What people would literally do, it was a joke at the time, but people would literally, you know, flip their collar up. If they had a hood, they'd put the hood on, they'd wear glasses, Uh, they'd go into another neighborhood, usually in a bad mm -hmm. part of town, and go into the store and try to make sure no one knew they were there. It was that kind of sneakiness. Wow. Yeah, that's so different from yes. our current state of mm-hmm. affairs right now. Yeah, one of our, our yobbers commented on this, this shift. Um, he said that someone asked me a couple weeks ago, what will be this century's cigarettes? That is something that just about everyone thought was either good for you or no big deal, but then it turns out it will kill them. I told them the complete sexualization of our culture and the Herculean efforts mm. we have undertaken to have instantaneous 24-7 access to pornography and sexual partners. And yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see like where the years ahead take us because this is all still very new and unfolding. Like to have, mm. you know, to have all this access, even as a kid growing up with dial-up internet, like there was very, and having like one central family computer no cell phones, no laptops, like, it was very hard to access those things, and whenever I had this, like, when I was on the family computer, I remember one time, like, trying to look up shirtless pictures of, like, actors Mm -hmm. or something, it was very secret, it was very quick, it was very shameful, it was very, well, it was very quick in the sense that I, you know, was constantly looking over my shoulder and making Mm -hmm. sure no no one in my family was behind me, but, um, but then it's, like, with dial-up internet, you're using the phone line, so you're Mm -hmm. blocking the, the phone line, nobody can call the house, and you're waiting like 30 seconds to two minutes waiting yeah. for this picture to like line by line yeah. slowly download and materialize on your screen. There's definitely no video. No video, yeah. absolutely not. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was just still images at that point. And so mm-hmm. um, to go from that to where we are today now and kids have mm-hmm. cell phones, kids have iPads. Some kids have three devices. They'll have the computer oh and the family yeah. computer and the iPad and the cell phone and, and they can close the door. They can be alone in their room with it. They can... Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have to worry about a parent looking over their shoulder. Now, of course, there can be, you know, web monitoring and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But it's just a very different uh, mindset and approach to the mm-hmm. Internet now. And it's so available. And, and like, where is that going to take us? You know, even in just 15 years, there's such a dramatic shift in the technology and the access mm-hmm. to it. And where is that going to take us 15 years from now? And yeah. and you go to the end, the end of the millennial generation, the end of the Generation Z Mm-hmm. You know, 60, 70, 80 years from now, where, mm-hmm. where are we going to be? Yeah, so the pornography is one thing. Um, and we can go bounce back to the baby boomer generation too. But as far as promiscuity goes, mm-hmm. as far as hookups and meetups with, with um, people for sexual encounters, like today it's, I mean, someone commented, I forget where it was, but someone commented in the group that it's like within minutes, like literally you could post something on your phone and within minutes, not even hours, not even days, but within minutes, you can have a sexual encounter with somebody in your city, in your neighborhood. And it's, it's kind of ridiculous. It's kind of crazy that that's, um, the access is so quick and easy. Um, but I'm curious from the baby boomer perspective, like what, what did that look like? I mean, were you aware of it, Marshall or Yes, um, largely because my brother was openly gay in the college, same college town that I lived in, and I saw some of it, and my brother admitted that he was very promiscuous. Um, and I heard some of the stories there from him, and uh, basically what someone had to do to have a sexual encounter, normally they would have to go to certain places that had reputations among the gay population, 
of being meeting places for sexual encounters. There were certain uh, buildings at the University of Florida that had uh, bathrooms that were open at night when there were no students on the outside, you know, come, or there were no people walking around, and uh, people would go into those re public restrooms to have sexual encounters or to meet each other and go there, go from there. Um, there were gay clubs, there were, you know, uh, dance clubs. Uh, there were one or two in the college town where I was from, and they were actually known among gays, straights, everyone. So if some, if you, if I as a man were to walk in there, everyone would automatically start assuming that I was gay, and it was, um, you know, you had <laughs> your cover was blown. Um, but the point is, though, that um, people would, um, you know, go to these gay clubs or these more secret meeting places and have sometimes literally anonymous encounters with people they didn't know their names whatever and there were people that were very promiscuous um, I definitely knew of one well to be honest it was my brother admitted that he had over a hundred partners um, just using those methods mm. um, but he would uh, you know again frequent these meeting places that were not especially known to the general population he wouldn't go to the public clubs he would sneak around in these other places. Obviously, there were no uh, apps on phones, no websites that you could use to meet each other. Yeah, it actually reminds me, uh, as I was thinking about apps and websites and, and just access to other people who are seeking same-sex sexual encounters. Like, I remember one time traveling and I stay I was staying at a friend's house and in, in some of my travels this was years ago um and this friend had a roommate and like the roommate was nice he was a he was a nice guy it was very obvious upon meeting him that he was also attracted to to men and so that was fairly fairly clear but made even more so beyond gestures and mannerisms and general intuition the fact that he was on his phone the whole time and like it was pretty obvious to know what he was doing and to like, to like catch side glances of his phone and to see the messages going back and forth and, and to like recognize layouts of the, the sites or the apps. Like mm -hmm. it was very, very clear and it wasn't, I don't know. I, I didn't get the sense that he was trying to necessarily hide it. And it was, I think in conversations with my friend, I think it was very clear that like, yeah, he's, you know, having these conversations. It's not like a big secret or anything. Um, and I'm just thinking, as you were talking, Marshall, there's like such a contrast from from decades ago, where you had to be super intentional to go out of your way to go to these places to meet people, and now mm. like someone can literally be like having a conversation with you in a living room or at a restaurant, and also be like in this other world, doing their own thing on on their cellular device. It's uh, mm -hmm. such a contrast. So I put it out there to the yobbers because um, I wanted to get a feel for the differences. Like on the one hand, we're all believers. We all have a traditional sexual ethic in this community, but very, as Marshall, you can attest, very vast differences sometimes in how we express um, our sexuality with our faith and different just modern constructs and realizations of that. And so... Um, Things like the gay Christian label, that's something that comes up. And we don't need to go into another big, long labels discussion because we've done a podcast about it. We've had numerous blog posts about it. They tend to devolve into just one side screaming at the other that this is the right label and then the other side saying, no, that's not, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I thought this comment was very insightful from a baby boomer. 
He said, the boomer generation claims to be the generation that threw off the judgmentalism of their parents' generation. Mm -hmm. But because we wanted to do things our way, we only ended up being even more judgmental in return. Which I'm going to ask Marshall for your perspective on that in a second. But continuing with this comment, he goes on and says, that's why I'm a... That's why I'm an admirer of both Gen Xers and Millennials. I see a lot more openness to people and more willingness to understand where people are coming from and withhold judgment. When I was growing up, there was no such thing as a gay Christian, quote unquote, that would have been an oxymoron. So I had to pretend I was something else. But it seems there's a lot more openness now to accepting your sexuality. And while that can lead to other problems, like the acceptance of gay sex, the idea that you can be gay or SSA without shame, is something I wish had been possible for me growing up. So firstly, Marshall, what are your thoughts on, yeah, I'm curious, I was really fascinated by that concept, that your parents were judgmental, according to this person, on the whole, which then made you not want to be, but then actually made you be more judgmental. Because that is the millennials' concept yeah. of our gener parents' generations, that they're pretty judgmental. Marshall, can you explain why you're so judgmental? <laughs> We're the perfect case for this. Now, I've had many people say that I'm not judgmental, but they, we'll see. The point, though, is that very often um, parents were judgmental. I mean, again, my parents, specifically me, uh, my exact situation, not the culture as, as a whole, my parents were silent on it, um, mostly, because they considered it so shameful they didn't want to speak out loud about anything related to homosexuality. So I was not judged by their words. I was just kept in silence. <laughs> um, I would say that what I did hear was judgmental, but it was not from my parents. Um, and I certainly knew that this was something, again, my parents considered so horrible they couldn't talk about it because of their embarrassment. Mm -hmm. So I was, um, you know, very cautious when it came to talking about it myself. Um, it didn't make me want to be judgmental, but again, my parents weren't judgmental, they were just silent. Mm -hmm. But I would say others that I knew whose parents were judgmental, um, often they were... <laughs> The people would become judgmental with those who were judgmental. And you see this sort of in culture today, like, um, you know, people who are very um, culturally liberal will complain against conservatives that they're judgmental, that they're telling me how to live morally. But then they will be judgmental of those who are perceived as judgmental. Mm. <laughs> see what I mean? It's There's a different kind of judgmentalism. It's just focused on something different. So that's how someone can be judgmental over, you know, even though they're trying not to be judgmental like their parents were. Mm. They are judgmental just over a different subject. So I need to get your hot take and you can be as brief as, you, as you'd like because there was a, a then sort of this back and forth discussion that happened from, from this comment about that label, the gay Christian label, and essentially one side saying you can't use it ever and then one side saying that it's okay, it's not that big of a deal. But coming from your perspective, either personally or just your generation, I feel like generationally, at least within the Christian context, gay mm -hmm. Christian, I understand that gay Christian on the whole from an older generation is not as readily accepted. Right. And in many cases, the complete like opposite or the complete extreme of that is vitriolic. Like, no, you cannot call yourself that. It's essentially like, in some cases, essentially condemning yourself to hell. Like if you're in certain constructs um, of the country of the culture 
um, that a Christian can't call himself that, like physically, mentally, Mm -hmm. spiritually can't equate himself with that. But like, what is, I guess, your perspective on, on that label, on that term, how millennials tend to use it more? I mean, there are older people who use it too. I've met plenty of Mm. of older people who also identify as gay Christian, but what well, do you think? Well, again, um, the mentality was always that that was an oxymoron, that um, if you were a Christian, you couldn't be gay, and if you were gay, you couldn't be a Christian. Um, because gay, the, the me, I think the summary of it is gay used to mean not just having um, feelings of same-sex attraction, it meant engaging in mm-hmm. gay sex. Um, and so the meaning of the word gay has really changed so that now when people hear gay, they think of, well, this person is attracted to the same sex and maybe they've adopted certain cultural things, but it doesn't necessarily mean, um, again, among millennials, it doesn't necessarily mean that the person is actively involved in sexual relationships. Um, but someone who's older, it implies that. And so what happens is people... If you take on a label, I you know, if someone were to say they are a gay Christian, uh, it implies that they are um, literally involved in gay gay activity. So you don't want to take on that label. You're saying you're calling yourself by a sin name and saying this is what I am. I'm this kind of sinner, um, and that you're saying that that's what identifies you. Mm-hmm. And, of course, as a Christian, I don't want to be identified by the sin that I want to leave behind, uh, you know, which is the gay activity. (laughs) I do want to be known by being a Christian. So I don't myself call myself gay because, especially among people my age, but certainly among other Christian groups of people even younger, um, that implies gay sex also which i don't want people to misunderstand and think that I'm. do you think i'm curious marshall do you think if you were a millennial if you grew up in a millennial no let's actually put you in gen z if you were growing up gen (laughs) z do you think snapchatting all your friends yeah you're snapchatting all the time i'd love Mm -hmm. to marshall on snapchat (laughs) um no i've never been on snapchat i don't know this is a cool thought experiment do you think not that you necessarily would use the gay christian label but do you think would you admit maybe that you'd be more likely that it could be more likely that you'd use that phrase just oh, of course it's more likely because culture yeah because i would wouldn't see the word the same way yeah um, and that's com- completely understandable like that's a completely rational explanation like right. i'm not gonna say that's one of my big pet peeves i think ryan you might have mentioned this at one point i like i don't necessarily want people telling me to use it but i want people to tell me not to use it as well like i want the freedom to be able to use it or not use it depending on Mm -hmm. the situation like i kind of just feel weird weird feelings when someone says you can't describe yourself this way you can't use this word to talk about yourself in this way or to this group of people or to this person or that person and um but i think like growing up with that as your cultural foundation like it's completely understandable why you and why plenty of people the you know 40s plus crowd in our community have a harder time with that word like it's completely understandable because it was a different time it was a different era um and i just hope we can find some common ground with realizing that the word has changed right and just being sensitive to other people's backgrounds and where they come from with it i had a really eye-opening conversation with my mom shout out to mom um and it was back when I first started talking to my parents about all this. And 
she had some questions or just was curious about why why I had chosen to describe myself as gay sometimes, um, or why I had sometimes just decided to describe myself as gay, and and I explained to her, yeah, it just means that I'm attracted to men, and it doesn't it doesn't mean that I'm like trying to have sex with men or whatever, and. She was like, oh, okay, well, now that you explain that, like, that makes sense, but you have to realize that, to my generation, gay is a synonym for promiscuous. And that was kind of something I hadn't really realized or thought about before. And it was helpful to kind of frame a lot of the uh, conflicts that I see in our community about language and terminology. Um, you know, and I think people in my generation... If, if I tell them I'm gay and they think I'm trying to have sex with men, like those are the people who assume that are the people who are just assuming that we're all trying to have as much sex as possible. Which I am not. Right. <laughs> Me neither, of course. No, no, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I just have to, like, it's good to have a conversation like this and just step back and realize how language is alive and constantly moving toward things and away from things. And this one word, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, like, we, re- we read those books and literature classes where the word gay would come up and it wouldn't mean any of this. It would mean gay. Mm-hmm. It would mean extremely joyful, extremely happy and delighted. It wouldn't mean any oh. of the stuff that we put. Does that change? Does that change your reading of I Charles was really, Dickens? I was really confused <laughs> all through middle school. <laughs> yeah. yeah, these little these little Gen Zers today reading yeah. uh, reading Charles Dickens, they have no idea what's going on. They're interpreting it entirely wrong. Um, so it's helpful. It's helpful to be aware that language is changing. And again, another fifty years from now, it's gonna be interesting when the baby boomers are all gone, mm-hmm. and when <clears throat> now the millennials are like the old guard. I'm curious what yeah the relationship with this word and what. Yeah, the view of all this is going to be like it's. I'm fascinated by language uh-huh. and culture constantly changing over the years. And a while back, I read a study of um, British teenagers, um, so people who I guess would be in their early, or very early twenties right now, but a study on the way they think of LGBT identities, and they saw a big increase in the number of people who just were kind of rejecting these labels, and they like, didn't want to identify as gay or lesbian or bi. They were just like, yeah, I am what I am. You know, sometimes I, um, you know, I'm attracted to men some of the time and whatever. And this is, you know, it's just like they see themselves much more as individuals instead of um, the people in this study saw themselves much more as just individuals instead of, uh, you know, being under this umbrella or category. Yeah, that is fascinating. Mm -hmm. I'm like curious to see how people identify Mm -hmm. moving forward because i think i get the sense that yeah the new generation is kind of just like like y'all need to get over yourselves like Mm -hmm. like life is so much more than yeah a sexuality a choice a word a label um i'm excited to see where that goes Mm -hmm. that's like that's really fascinating to me so marshall Uh oh, this is sneaky. What is it? What is it? What do you think about cuddling? <laughs> oh, don't ask me that. I did. You're on this episode. Oh, you're. On, I'm on the spot. Yeah, I want to know. You put me on the spot. On the spot. You knew this question was coming. What is the generational perspective on cuddling? 
Or actually, what's you the know, official baby boomer position? <laughs> yeah, oh. is it side hugs. Is it footsie? Is it what is it? I'm curious okay. though. In all seriousness, just like the perception of because Marshall, you've been around in various circles. I mean, you obviously have your church and your community back home, but I've seen you involved in like our retreats that we've had, right. which are predominantly younger people right. and. The younger people tend to be physically affectionate right. with hugging or sitting close together on a couch or what have you. Um, and I've always actually been curious. This will be like my first yes. time actually even asking you about this. But like, what is your perspective on physical touch? And you can call it cuddling, you can call it whatever you want. Okay. I'm not a huge fan of that word personally myself. It's right. a weird word. But right. what do you think about it? Well, um, first of all, just the society in general when I was growing up would look on... Um, you know, a man should not be too physically affectionate with another man or they'd be suspected of being gay, which was so horrible at the time that you, uh, most people would avoid it because they were scared that people would think they were gay, even if they weren't. Um, so there's this, among my generation, there's a, an avoidance of that so that it wouldn't be, as to use a phrase that I've heard in Christian churches, the appearance of evil. Um, so there's always been that in a cultural thing with my generation. Um, now, that's obviously changing. Society is changing so that there is more... You're not assumed to be gay if you hug another man. Um, and, you know, that it is not your relative. Um, but even when I was in high school, among Christians, there was more hugging that went on you know, between men and men, men and women, you know, that was not considered sexual. And, you know, hugging is something that shouldn't be put in the same category as some of these other things we were hinting at. Um, I think that is something that, in the right context, um, was has always been done, especially among Christians in certain church groups. Uh, but when you get to um, other aspects of physical touch... Uh, there's just more caution among my generation. I personally do have significant boundaries there. Um, I, I will hug virtually uh, anyone. Uh, now, sometimes I've been joked with that I overdo the side hug instead of a front <laughs> hug. Um, but I, I do hug, and I think that that's very good and appropriate a way to express affection that would not be misunderstood. But um, there are times when I hold on to the hug longer than many people feel comfortable, and I don't think there's any reason to worry about that. I think that's fine. There are times when I will sit right next to someone, um, and I don't see it as wrong, and as long as they don't see it as wrong, you know. Um, but when you get much beyond that, sometimes I'm less comfortable. Um, and I don't want to do anything close to something sexual. So I do tend to keep my boundaries uh, physically somewhat close like that. But And when you're talking about these situations, are you talking about with younger people? Are you, are you in your head, are you picturing people your own age when you have these like interactions, whether it's hugs or sitting close together, whether they're also SSA or gay identifying or not? There, it depends on the individual, whatever the individual feels comfortable with. Most men my age don't feel comfortable sitting close to me, mm. so I won't. Um, most men my age, um, even if they're same-sex attracted, don't feel comfortable say, sitting that close to me, so I won't. Um, 
they often will feel comfortable with a certain type of hug, especially if you pat three times after. But <laughs> that's the joke. But the um, pat makes what happened previously okay. Like whatever like, happened, yeah, that's like the, an, the, the anti bandana code. <laughs> <laughs> it's the so called, well, people have all kind of jokes about a bro hug. You have to tap the right way. It's but the bro the, tap. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But the point is that, um, you know, whatever people feel comfortable with, I believe in showing appropriate affection in ways that the person that I'm wanting to show affection to will feel comfortable with. And if they don't feel comfortable, I'm not going to even hug them if they don't want a hug. Um, there's certainly uh, some people, uh, especially for whatever reason, uh, younger women will not want me to hug them because they will, you know, they perceive that as a type of sexual harassment or something. Certain women, I'm not even speaking in general, just a few, I've had that reaction. So, you know, I'm very cautious, especially uh, with those who might misunderstand. Mm. So it all depends on who I'm dealing with. But it's very common. Again, people, men my age won't uh, even... They will do a type of hug, but just mm -hmm. side or yeah. bro hug. I mean, Ryan, you can share your experience too. But like from my perspective, I've been in this weird SSA Christian world now for 10 years and especially in person for the last five or six, like regularly meeting in large gatherings, smaller gatherings, one-on-one, smaller groups, and definitely a higher level of physical touch than I noticed in just the general, in my general mm -hmm. worlds of church and church culture. Um, but I don't know, also exp experiencing more and more freedom to just have conversations about those those mm -hmm. expressions of touch and it's not it doesn't have to be like it could be a little awkward sure but it doesn't have to stay that way and it can be comfortable it can be um in many ways a step forward for the friendship and it yeah. can be very productive just to talk about what is what is okay what is just not what's on, mm -hmm. what's on the table but what's clearly off the table mm -hmm. and the freedom to have those conversations and if you were to have told this to a 21 year old tom like i would have been incredulous and been like no how can you like, I don't know, I just, physical touch was just always very foreign and, mm -hmm. and scary and, and awkward to me. But, um, but yeah, it's been a journey, I guess, over the last mm -hmm. several years, especially of being able to engage in those conversations and being able to exp experience healthy physical touch that maybe from the outside looking in, like, looks different than what they are accustomed to. But I think as long as the communication is there, I think that can make yeah. all the difference. Yeah. And I think, um, bigger picture with, you know, our whole culture in different generations, I think we do see younger men being more comfortable with physical affection, more comfortable with physical touch with each other. And, and I do think that that kind of reflects changing. I think that's caused by um, just changing views of masculinity. Right. Um, I think there's a certain type of masculinity from older generations where... Um, you know, where where it's threatening to your masculinity to give or receive physical affection from other men, mm -hmm. but to our generation, and maybe probably more so to younger generations than us, like, that's less and less threatening to, um, to masculinity. Yeah, and it reminds me, actually, of when we had Richard Padilla on this show, when we talked about physical touch, and he referenced a book. He actually referenced a couple books, which someone else actually took it upon themselves to mail to us. And actually, I featured that on one of our Manly Monday videos. I'll have links to all of these on, on our show notes for this episode. But, um, but it was just a book showcasing photography from 
you know, the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s of men who were very physically affectionate with each other, um, posing for photographs with arms around each other, or even like sitting on each other's laps or, or whatever. And clearly nothing sexual um, implied from any of these photos. They're just, this is just how they were. And it's that like, it's the sandwich generation that Marshall that you come from and that Ryan and I's parents come from. Like that's kind of the one that's, it feels just from what I, the stories I've heard and your stories that you've shared, Marshall, it, it makes me feel like there's something, something shifted in y'all's generation. And now it feels like it's maybe bouncing back toward, yeah, like, yeah, we can touch each other. We can hug, we can lay our arms on each other. We can not mm. sexualize every single thing, even though that's, still very much a, a drive of the culture is a lot of sexualization but i think there is this like undercurrent of just wanting to mm-hmm. redefine masculinity or step away from what's been passed mm-hmm. down so there are actually several other concepts that we could have dived into dove dove into dove have dove dove into <laughs> in this episode dived concepts like like the locker room how has the locker room changed from marshall's generation to our generation or taking that even further to korean spas or um or if we wanted to talk about celibate partnerships for a second episode in a row we could have talked about that concept we talking about celibate <laughs> we, partnerships for a second let's episode just, yeah let's, let's just, just keep doing that let's keep promising yeah. that for the yabalog like right, right. <laughs> yeah if you really want to hear us talk about celibate partnerships subscribe to the yabalog yeah only those that are patrons have the secret code. Only those it. who pay money have the right to dive into this uh, this controversial yeah, topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we only we only want to hear from you if you're paying. Okay, <laughs> like this is I don't get paid enough <laughs> to get fussed yeah. at by people who aren't paying. Right. <laughs> we don't need to be fussed at by baby boomers who do not understand some of partnerships. The last thing that I need right now. Um, so the point is though that there are plenty of things that have changed over the years and we just don't have time we could sit here all night talking about everything that's changed from 1955 to 2018 but um but plenty of opportunities in the future for more episodes i'm sure like i said i think it'd be really fun to have like marshall on have someone from our generation definitely have a gen zer someone who's 18 19 Mm -hmm. just coming up in this new this new culture that's forming um before our eyes and and then maybe throw in like a 40 something or someone Mm -hmm. someone little like it would be fascinating to just get a a more rounded conversation rather than mm-hmm. just these two, yeah. these two specific um, generations. So, mm-hmm. so who knows? Stay tuned. Maybe that, mm-hmm. maybe that can happen in the future. Um, in addition, we had plenty of excellent questions from our yobbers, which we don't have time to answer all of. But there's one that I wanted to close with, and it's this question. And he asks, "What is one thing that you want to see changed, so that the upcoming generation?" whether SSA or OSA, could, de- could deal with the topic of same-sex attraction better? I would want there to be the type of honesty where people can ask questions and not either be given a label <laughs> um, or be put in a category, whatever, just because they're asking a question, but where they can you know, seriously talk about their feelings and what's good and what's bad about their feelings certainly judge them by God's standards, Scripture, and not uh, not be ashamed to talk about what's actually happening with them and how, and then they can decide themselves whether, you know, what it means to obey Scripture and how to do that within that. Mm-hmm. Further into honesty where people can be honest without 
being shamed for it. But then I also certainly hope that people can continue to see the value in going God's way, that we can that they can hear how someone chooses to follow Jesus Christ and obey and instead of doing these sexual things can obey what God has said and live a much better way and still be happy. You know, the, the, the people would hear both sides and that they wouldn't just hear one side and get shamed into not listening to another side. Mm-hmm. And they would be able to honestly see the truth for what it is instead of this shaded um, stuff where there's all these labels. What would you change, Ryan? Or what would you like to see changed? I would like to see many of the structures in society kind of shift and reorganize so that there are more options for finding intimacy and companionship and relational commitment than just marriage or sexual relationships. Um, You know, I'd like to see more options for people, whether they're straight or not, to find, you know, to find contexts where they can build a life together with the people around them in very affectionate and relationally fulfilling ways. Um, And I think that that would serve the next generation of same-sex attracted Christians a lot better. Yeah, actually, I recently, I mentioned at the top of the show, driving to Knoxville to listen to a friend preach um, a sermon, and his message was all about singleness and how, um, you know, you read through scripture and singleness is very highly regarded, highly encouraged by by many authors, and, and how there's not a really healthy translation of that in, in church cultures today. It's a very married-centric church culture and there's plenty of amazing marriages out there but there's not a whole lot of nurturing environments for single people and people are single he he did a great job laying out like there are plenty of reasons why people are single beyond issues of sexuality you have widows and you have widowers you have the divorced you have um, a surplus of women in the church and not enough men and so there's going to be women that are just left out to dry Mm -hmm. because there's not enough men to go around and and so we have all these reasons for singleness, and singleness is on the rise. Again, sexuality aside, you look at all the figures, and marriage is on the decline, and single singleness is on the rise. So I think figuring out just like a space for the single Jesus follower um, moving mm-hmm. forward, um, again, that goes beyond issues of sexuality. I would like to see the single Christian, whether he's 18, whether he's 31, whether he's 58, 59, whether he's 75, um, feel like they have a place that they have a home mm-hmm. and because I, I know that that is something that scares a lot of younger believers especially who are same-sex attracted or gay or have a traditional ethic that okay that's, that's fine for today it's fine for now like I can do I can deal with it for right now but like in 30 years and 50 years how am I still gonna be yeah doing this Some time ago, I worked one of my most excruciating jobs that I've ever worked for a summer in the streets of Milwaukee as churches would bring their youth groups from all over the country for a week at a time. 
to have fun, play games, and enjoy some time away from all that they know, but also to work, to serve. And little did I know at the time that I would be one working and serving in all the same profound ways that these kids in youth groups would do. I distinctly remember a time of serving in a nursing home with a dozen or so kids at a time and, and seeing the absolute joy on these senior citizens' faces when they would see these youthful faces flooding their halls, playing bingo with them, bowling with them, helping them push a ball down a ramp to knock over some pins on the other side of the room, working on puzzles and playing cards and, and simply sitting next to them at tables, seeing elderly hands reach onto shoulders of 12 and 13 and 14 year olds who by all accounts weren't doing much, were simply present and simply there. And I got such a picture all summer long of the power of the generations of one lending something to the other, something true, something tangible, something absolutely vital. Because what I saw was not just smiles and life and vitality on the faces of these elderly individuals. I saw something similarly powerful and tangible in the faces of these teenagers, that they were uncovering something true about this world, something amazing and incredible about this world in which we all coexist. That it isn't just one generation passing a baton to the other. It's both working simultaneously, concurrently, passing batons back and forth. The band Casting Crowns wrote a song called City on the Hill, in which the lyrics read as follows. Did you hear of the city on the hill? said one old man to the other. It once shined bright, and it would be shining still, but they all started turning on each other. You see, the poets thought the dancers were shallow, and the soldiers thought the poets were weak, and the elders saw the young ones as foolish, and the rich man never heard the poor man speak. But one by one, they ran away, with their made-up minds to leave it all behind and the light began to fade in the city on the hill. Each one thought that they knew better, but they were different by design. Instead of standing strong together, they let their differences divide. But it was the rhythm of the dancers that gave the poets life. It was the spirit of the poets that gave the soldiers strength to fight. It was the fire of the young ones. It was the wisdom of the old. It was the story of the poor man that needed to be told. But one by one will we run away with our made up minds to leave it all behind as the light begins to fade in the city on the hill. And so, my brothers, baby boomers, generation X, generation Y, generation Z, and generations to come, let us not leave it all behind, this testimony, this brotherhood, this digital and physical city on a hill. Let us not run away from what divides us. Let us instead
press into these divides all the more, as the nose and ear and foot lend varying functions to the body, so let us aid one another in this collective body. The young assisting the old, and the old guiding the young, each generation infusing something vital into the other. Let us behave in such a way that all generations, including the upcoming generation, find so brightly our light. Let us help one another along this journey, shining this light of Christ for any and all who pass by, who look up, discover it, who want to see more. Well, y'all, the great meeting of the minds, the meeting of the generations is complete. You may now take off your hats mm-hmm. and fancy robes. <laughs> we will, yeah. Keep take... the little placards in front of us. <laughs> right, you can. Uh, as a souvenir. Souvenirs, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. The baby boomers and millennials. Mm-hmm. Sorry, there was no room at the table for all the, other, all the other generations. But uh, no, this is a fun conversation. It was a little scattered, a little diverse, yes. but... Um, yeah, I'm excited for potentially deeper dives into this concept. I'm really excited about finding common ground. I mean, I think that's what it's all about is we have so many diverse upbringings and backgrounds, places that we come from, both from in geography and in time. And there's no one group that's necessarily better than the other. We all have our advantages. We all have our disadvantages. And I think we can all learn from each other. So I would love you, dear listener, to add to the conversation. Um head over to our podcast episode page, yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast. Find this episode 42 post on generations. And firstly, tell me what your generation is. Tell me your age. Tell me your generation. And tell me your experience with regard to all of these things that we talked about today. Some or all. You can talk about sexuality and concepts of coming out. You can talk about cuddling. You can talk about marriage. You can talk about the church. Any or all of those things are on the table. I'd love to hear your story, um, your generational perspective on all of these matters. And I'm excited to continue this conversation and it'll be great. This was fun. Mm -hmm. And thank you to our sponsor, Denim Apple Pie Candles. Mm. We love timeless candles and timeless pies and timeless textiles. So thank you so much to our sponsor for making this possible. I'm really craving some apple pie. Can we make apple pie happen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I would love to. I think our sponsor bit. sent us some apple pie. Can we just eat the candle? <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing with those candles. I just want to eat the candles sometimes. It's just not healthy. <laughs> but anyway, yes. Thank you, those specific candles. Very yes. brand, very specific. Mm-hmm. Um, for sponsoring this episode on Generations. And we'll be back next time for another exciting episode. As I mentioned at the start, you can listen to the end of this episode in just another minute or so and get a little sneak peek of the Yabalog. And if you're curious, want to check out more, head on over to our Patreon page. That'll do it for this episode. For all your other brothers, this is Tom. This is Millennial Ryan. <laughs> this is Marshall, the older guy. <laughs> Reminding you that you are not alone, even the sparrow finds out. See you next time, everybody. Bye. thanks for listening to your other brothers podcast navigate more with us at yourotherbrothers.com and comment on this episode at yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast subscribe to our show to never miss an episode 
And if you enjoy what we do, consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Your Other Bros. If you'd like to further support our storytelling effort, consider becoming a Yabber. Yabbers pledge monthly and receive perks like calls with authors and other supporters, access to a secret Facebook group, and additional podcast content. Visit patreon.com slash yourotherbros for more information. Don't miss our monthly bonus podcast on Patreon, The Yabalog, featuring responses to previous podcasts, content not featured in public episodes, calls from listeners, and more. Ask us a question or tell us a story by leaving us a message at 706-389-8009. If you're new to the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at yourotherbrothers.com. You can also write us at Your Other Brothers, P.O. Box 843, Asheville, North Carolina, 28802. Until we journey next time, we're glad you're with us. This is the Yabalog for your other brother's podcast. Welcome, friends, to the Yabalog, the second Yabalog of all time. If you like the first one, I hope you like the second one. And if you didn't like the first one, well, you're probably not listening to this one, so that's not my concern. Uh, what's up, everybody? What's up, yobbers? I always have to remind myself um, I'm talking to more than just friends in these episodes, in these podcasts. I'm talking to yobbers. I'm talking to people who are pledging monthly, every single month, on Patreon. And you guys are awesome. You are our faithful yobbers and our yobbies as well, not to be <laughs> neglected as we have a few yobbies in our, in our midst as well. Welcome, y'all. This is the Abalog, and it's an experiment. It's a continuing, seeing how this goes type of deal. And as far as I can tell, the feedback that I got from the first one, it seemed like y'all enjoyed it. So thanks for the feedback. I appreciate that. And we got a full episode today. I'm going to get right to it. Because in this episode, we are doing a quick little recap of our last Yobcast where we talked about being side B. It was me, Ryan, and Matt. On that particular episode, episode 41 of Your Other Brothers podcast. And a really great conversation, a really great um, exchange. And I'm going to say right off the bat, you do not want to miss the bonus content at the end of this episode of the Yabalog because we actually have a section from that conversation with myself, Matt, and with Ryan that couldn't make it into the actual episode of Your Other Brothers podcast. And it was a legitimate segment. Um, I was really torn, actually, about including it, not including it. In the end, I decided to cut it because it felt a little extra. It felt like a tack-on. And um, this is definitely a subject I'd like to actually tackle in a future Yobcast episode. And that is the subject of... Drumroll. Does that sound like a drum? It's the subject of... <laughs> it's a fun one. It's the subject of celibate gay partnerships. Or, like, sexless romances. Or, like... <laughs> You know, there, it has lots of trendy names for it. Um, yeah, we actually got into a little bit of a discussion about that because it's part of the side B world. It, it's kind of like a niche um, arena of side B life, this whole concept of, you know, not getting married to the same sex, but 
having somebody who's kind of like a husband, kind of like a boyfriend, but you're not having sex with him and you kind of do life together. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely recommend listening if only for Matthew's reaction. Because if you know Matthew, and some of you do, some of you don't, but um, <laughs> Matthew's reaction is great to this conversation. And uh, yeah, we'll tack that on at the end, along with other cut content and bloopers, including a segment where Matthew sounds like a robot. You do not want to miss the end of the Yabalog. Um, big, you know, big props to Matthew for coming on the show. He has a unique perspective. I always love it when he's on the podcast. And, um, yeah, I have a feeling he keeps bringing it up and he keeps texting me and messaging me about doing a hashtag Yob fashion episode. And I'm all about it. I would love to do a fashion episode. And I think, honestly, we have some really trendy, fashionable people in our community. And I am not one to boast my... <laughs> my uh my fashion and my trends and i'm always moldable and adaptable and wanting to learn you know what the kids are wearing and how to present myself well and be confident in what i'm wearing so we'll see we'll see if we can get that fashion episode happening sooner than later so we didn't receive any hipster contest pictures in the last couple of weeks since the episode aired but but we did receive two phone calls two phone calls, and we're going to play those in a little bit. And I'm really excited because this this new phone number that we have, I'm super jazzed about it, and I love every time I get a notification in my email that someone left a message, I just get super giddy and super happy and really happy that people are, are reacting to the episode and sharing stories and sharing ideas, and I just want to encourage everyone in our midst to give us a call, not only about the last episode, but about anything related to Yob, to Yobbers, to our Facebook group, to Patreon, to any of our bloggers. If you have a question, if you have a comment about one of our authors or one about one of our voices on the podcast, including myself, that number is available to you 24-7. It's 706-389-8009. You can give me a call right now. <laughs> That'd be great. I will say that there are some people who, I mean, there's people across the board, people who only listen to the podcast or only read the blog um, and then you have others, the 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 hardcore, <laughs> the hardcore yobbers in our midst, who will digest everything, who will digest the podcast and the blog, and be super active in the Facebook group, and watch our videos. So I'm like speaking to whatever cross section is out there right now. But some of you may may or may not be aware, but this podcast on Y Side B, our 41st episode, was one of our most commented. I mean, in recent memory, certainly of all time, but it's certainly in recent memory, it is one of our most commented episodes on the blog, 50-plus comments as of this recording. Some really good stories, some really good exchanges, nothing nothing heated, nothing uncivil. It was just a lot of good, um, not even back and forth. It was just a lot of people responding and replying to other people, which I really love to see as the editor. I love to see engagement. It's not just people commenting into a void but there's actually engagement among you know two, three, four, five people back and forth, um, in a, just a great harmonious way, and it was a great place of sharing stuff. If you haven't checked out the podcast comments in a while, I recommend checking this one out. Yourotherbrothers.com/slash/podcast. Go to the episode forty-one page, and I was just going to read a couple of notable ones on this episode, and before we move into the listener calls, um, this one was from Wave Dave. What's up, Wave Dave? 
One of the best, side note, one of the best discus names that are out there, actually. I mean, that's such a great name. Wave Dave? Mad props to Wave Dave. Wave Dave says, even if others forget, misunderstand, don't include you, God hasn't forgotten me, and I am thankful for that. Thankful for this community and the blessing it is. And I'm thankful for you, Wave Dave. I'm thankful for your username, and I'm thankful for your presence. You've been pretty consistent and active in our community for a long time. And so I'm super grateful for your feedback as always. Yeah, this community is pretty special. I'm just honestly, I'm stoked and super grateful for everyone listening, everyone supporting. Everyone who's listening is supporting your other brothers. And so I'm thankful for you. And I'm just like super happy to have people, to have a tribe. And I hope you do too.